0: Hello, and welcome to Bald Leadership. I'm Colin Pular, and along with my co-host, Kavis Reed, we explore a whole range of issues related to leadership. Today's guest is Mr. Timothy Melton, former CEO and current executive chair of the publicly traded Melcor Developments. Tim shares with us his personal reflections on the sudden need to lead a company after his father's sudden death, the importance of committing to community and people, and how critical values are to driving and rooting a company. It's like playing poker. You know what you've got in your own hand,
1: but you don't want the other people around the table got. So when you're in a negotiation or when you're doing anything, it's not important what you think. It's what does the other person think, and where are they coming from. They've got to they've got to care and be able to keep people together. And I think if you care and put yourself in the shoes of others, you have a better chance of uh, keeping people together. Being to to be a leader or successful, I feel you've got to work and you've really got to treat others as if they're special, just like you want to be treated.
0: So enjoy along with us every guest and every conversation we have. Laugh a little bit and don't worry; you don't have to be bald to enjoy it.
2: We'll get to your story. <laughs> <laughs> it's, it's,
0: not, it's not that I have so much of a great story, but <laughs> Tim, Tim, it is. It is nice to meet you. Uh, how, how did you how did you ever connect with this crazy dude?
1: <laughs> I used to watch him play football all the time, and I forget when we first crossed paths, but uh, we've uh, got caught up a few times over breakfast or coffee, and uh, seem to get along pretty well, and talk the same language on a lot of things,
2: <laughs> and get upset about the same things. <laughs> Hey <laughs> Colin, I just found out. Here's one good part about this whole thing today. I found out that he owns four golf courses.
0: Well, how convenient.
2: <laughs> our, <laughs> our, right, right. So he has a tea time in 45 minutes, so, <laughs> in an hour. Yeah. <laughs> so we got to get this we gotta get this.
0: Done. So, in, in other words, I got to learn how to play golf so I can come up and see you guys soon.
2: You guys would love it. It's beautiful. <laughs>
1: <laughs> yeah okay and you're in regina Colin.
0: i am i am in regina yeah yeah i i've okay. been i've been on the road a little bit this uh this last couple of weeks too but um but i i am based in regina La- last week i was telling cavus about um <laughs> about my wife's uh, craft camp <laughs> and, and, um did, did you tell tim about any of this no no no, no i okay well the saga continues so um uh my my wife has uh, a, a number of girlfriends and they said uh why don't we go and we'll rent a lodge out at the lake and uh we'll do crafts for a whole weekend so uh so so three days three nights three days uh 16 of these women went out and and uh she loaded her car with sewing machines and Um, yarn and quilting stuff and paint and you, you name it. It, it all, it, they, they packed all their vehicles and vans and they went out and they had a wonderful time for 72 hours of, of crafting and all they did to do to, to, they didn't stop other than just to eat brunch and supper and, and they went day and night. (laughs) So I was saying it sounded like a sweatshop.
2: (laughs) And and they survived each other. And they
0: survived <laughs> each other. Yes, yeah. And so she came back. Did she
2: participate in Did you participate
1: in, you participate in the craft? uh craft? I
0: I've only looked at some of the crafts. I haven't. I'm not. Yeah, that's okay. Yeah that 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 that's a thing I admire from a distance. <laughs> yeah. So, yeah. but they they had a lot of fun. And uh, she came back and what I was telling Kavis last week was that um, I decided I'd have some hard boiled eggs. And she said, well, hey, wait a minute. So she took one of my hard boiled eggs before I got a chance to peel it. And she said, there's this trick that they shot, they saw on Pinterest. So one of these craft things and put it in a jar, and you're supposed to put water in there and you shake it up and it, it the shell falls off into the water and you pull out. It's a perfectly good egg. At least that's what the instructions were. So um she did everything right except she forgot to put water in the container. And and so so when she (laughs) so when she shook the whole thing it just obliterated my egg. (laughs) But you still ate it though. I I I, I salvaged what I could, although it was a bit crunchy because there were a few pieces that were still stuck in there. So this time (laughs) so uh so this time I I I did have I had actually eggs this morning but I would not let her anywhere near her. <laughs> I said, I'll be fine. I'll do this myself. <laughs> I don't want to wait for my eggs. Yeah. I don't want any craft camp tricks or anything like that. Yeah. Put on my, put on my eggs. So <laughs> anyways, uh, you know, uh, it's, it is wonderful to, to, uh, to meet you. And, and thanks for uh, being part of this, um, this podcast, Cavis and I, um, well, for for those listening to it, uh, welcome to Bold Leadership, and, and I'm Colin Pular, and, and this is Cavis Reed, and with us uh, is is Tim Melton, and um, uh, Tim, I, I, I don't know what you know about our, our show of it, although if you've had lots of conversations with Kavis, you have a pretty good idea what's probably going to happen in life, anyways, because he's we're, we're both full of adventure. <laughs> <laughs> but we also really um we hit it off. How long ago did we hit it off? Uh at Kavis? I, said, so I was telling Tim,
2: I think it was 2015, 2014, somewhere in there. Yeah.
0: Yeah, it's yeah, it's crawling up on a decade. And, yeah. Yeah. And, and so um and since we met, that, like the first thing we've ever talked about is topics around leadership, you know, and and trying to develop as leaders and um you know, leadership books we've read, things we've practiced, things we failed at <laughs> miserably. <laughs> and then, yeah. And, and said, you know, we need to have more conversations about, about this stuff because frankly, I think the kind of conversations we've had, uh, you don't, you don't learn in a classroom. Um, you know, you learn from, from mentors and people who've been uh, maybe around the block on a few things or people who are up and coming and, um, and, uh, learning what they're doing. So it, it's been, it's been fun having uh, conversations like this. So I'm really glad that you're willing to, to, uh, connect with us and, and, uh, and share your, your, your words of wisdom or <coughs> lines of craziness or, or whatever you feel comfortable with doing. So other than that though, um, Kavis, I'm going to let you kind of lead most of this one today. Cause normally yes. I'm, the, you're John Madden and I'm Pat Summerall or whatever. <laughs>
2: whatever order we want to put it in yeah. right? <laughs> no I, as we were talking uh, everyone probably knows tim tim is uh, obviously ceo of melcor and has done a tremendous job he's well known in the community of uh, of edmonton and alberta and i just want to talk to you tim and ask you a question could you tell our listeners about your journey it's a fascinating one of where you, how you got into the business and how your father and grandfather was started the business and the journey that you took to becoming a CEO and building Cord to where it is. Okay. That could take a couple of days.
1: <laughs> we'll, we'll be trying to be a little more compact. And it's the first time. It's, I appreciate you guys asking. Uh, I like Kavis and want to help uh, do the podcast. First time I've done a podcast. So, uh, Mm. Anyhow, in terms of my journey, my journey started, I'm 78 years old at this point, and uh, uh, born in London, England, through World War II. uh, My dad was a Canadian soldier and uh, served for the whole duration of World War II. And while he was on leave and injuries, he met my mom in England, and uh, and, uh, they got married, and I was born in England towards the end of the war. Uh, We came back to Canada. My dad had to finish off serving in Europe, a <clears throat> mom, like a lot of the English war brides took me in her arms, and I was six months old, to Canada, where my dad lived in Edmonton, Alberta, and, uh, like so many of the war brides, uh, went to my dad's parents and, uh, and waited for dad to get there, and, uh, so I'm born in London, England, uh, my dad was, finished the war, he was going to go farming, but his, uh, his dad was, has a very small real estate business, and, uh, his dad was sick, his name was Timothy, that's my grandfather, was sick. So when dad got there, Timothy asked my dad, Stan, to help him out with the business, to sell it, because they were getting old. Uh, so instead of going farming, my dad got his foot into the water on real estate, liked it. I think we're all very grateful that he did. And because uh, I'm the oldest of seven, uh, seven kids, I'm the, uh, I'm the oldest of uh, my siblings. Uh, so we had his family, real estate business, my dad died at a young age, uh, and uh, we learned the business a lot by osmosis just watching our father, but my dad died at the age of uh, 53 years old, and I was, uh, at the time, I was uh, 27, living in Calgary, working for the company. Ironically, it'd be interesting you guys, my dad died at an Eskimo football game. He had a heart attack in a final against Regina, Regina Rep Riders against the Eskimos, and that's wow. part his heart issues. So he died, uh, so
0: a- at the game, yeah, Tim? working with the company, I
1: was the oldest sibling. Uh, Mum didn't know the business that uh, uh, it was pretty well a foregone conclusion that I had to step in and take it over, and it was a very large. At that time, Dad grew it to a from a very small proprietorship that my grandfather uh, started. My uh, my dad was a very ambitious and driven man, good leader, and he uh, he grew it into the largest brokerage company in Western Canada selling houses for other people. Uh, we had about 400 people working with us at that time and, uh, offices throughout Western Canada. So when he died, uh, the family had a significant, significant investment. And, uh, uh, dad didn't do any succession planning particularly, mm-hmm. but it was pretty well a foregone conclusion that uh, I would be involved. I was the oldest and the only one that really was involved in that business. So separate ordered, And, uh, so 50-some years later, here we are, 54 years later. I guess he died in 73, so 50 years later, here I am today. And we've we changed through the years and adapted and uh, changed to uh, changing economic circumstances. But um, we're a publicly traded company, so anybody that wants to know about Malacore Developments can go online and uh, track our progress through the years. There's been ups and downs, but so in terms of business perspective, that's... That's where I'm at today, and I think any focus, I've got four great children and
2: lots of other interests, but that's sort of a capsule of my business history. And one of the biggest things that really attracted me to you, Tim, is your engagement in the community. A lot of people will say that, man, I'm running a major, major, major corporation. I have a lot of stakeholders that I have to be responsible for, but... You you won't remember this, but I I met you or through a Junior Achievement yep. uh, event, and you've been very generous to the community of Edmonton and Alberta and a lot in the states. Do you want to talk to me about how that plays in your business plan and, and more so in your heart about giving back to the community? Well, I think you can say, I think
1: we got our, uh, connected to the community and philanthropy through. Our DNA, our dad and our grandparents really instilled the importance of giving back to the community. And uh, so it's it part of our values in our company. My dad had a, uh, operated by the uh, uh, golden rule, do unto others as you would have them do unto you. And so that that's a very fundamental value that we've carried on both as a family and we've stayed together and through business. But you can expand that value into the community where uh and we very much believe that if we're contributing working in a compu- uh, community it's important to give back to the community and uh, uh we're, we pride ourselves and, and a lot of our employees have been very involved in various community endeavors and you can give both in kind and, and uh, helping out or you can give in resources finances so we we try to find a balance of both and uh being a, we're a public company we uh we subscribe to the fact that public companies should give back to the community. We like to do that. And we also do that from a family, personal perspective. We've got a charitable foundation called the Mountain Foundation, which uh, uh, we've turned it over to the, I'm part of the third generation, we've turned it over to the fourth generation, the younger group, to, to carry on with. So we still keep an eye on it. But. So but yeah, we've always wanted to give back to the community. My, my grandfather and my father were particularly interested in helping young people, developing young people. And, uh, you know, giving them some values and some guidance along the way. That's, so that's been one of the big things, but also support other local charities uh, of various types. So.
2: And forgive me, Colin, for going on in yeah. this time, but I think it's critically important because all too often people see leadership as just you lead in that organization or that particular group. But one of the, the things that I really admire about Tim is that He's expanded that in terms of not just building a top tier corporation, but also being very prominent in the community. we were driving by and we stopped at a stoplight. And to my left is this magnificent, wonderful facility that help people, immigrants, marginalized people as well, transition, get training, have a place to stay, a safe space to learn and grow and assimilate our culture. And guess what name I saw in it? Melkor. <laughs> and all over the city, you see them litter with that. So with that being said, Tim, as a leader, do you th- what do you think is missing in terms of that corporate responsibility in the community? Do you think that we have enough of that in order to be able to help our community grow, not just from an economic perspective, but from a social service perspective?
1: Uh, good, uh, good question, and uh, yeah, like I say, there, I think we're—I can never do enough because there's a lot of need out there. But I really think Edmonton, in particular, and and other cities where we operate, and the businesses there, and other volunteer groups do do a real good job in trying to give back to the community. And uh, uh, the community service has got two elements kind of a private element that's uh, private charities and it's got corporates like to give and individuals give but there are a lot of government sort of funded agencies that are involved but uh, I, th- I think it's it's almost when I, when I try to fundraise fu- uh, money from people and funds there's two times they, two things they can give they can give their time or their money and people with, with both probably it's easier to give money if you have both giving time you know is, is a huge commitment and it's very rewarding, but, uh, and, and but sometimes busy people uh, don't have the time, in a sense, to do a lot of one-on-one counseling. They're more in the they're brought into fundraising or organizational things. But uh, the grassroots is is uh, very rewarding and satisfying. But and as are, I think they do a tremendous job. Uh, corporations and, uh, and private charities, etc. But uh, there's there's almost no limit, and it's ever changing. I mean, what was a charity. At one time, they've there's different kind of needs and different niches. There's, it's a huge space.
0: Right. So, hey, you know, um, uh, thanks Tim, you, you've got me, I've got kind of questions that run down two paths. and I'm trying to decide which one, which one I want to go down. But, but, I, I, you know, and I, I think, I think you, you've, you're beginning to touch on the area. So I'm going to maybe drill down a little bit further, but, um, you know, as, as a CEO and executive chair and, in a, you know, in a, in a publicly traded space, um, wonder what would your thoughts would be in, in kind of the the current conditions where we're seeing CEOs have to become pivoters in chief, so to speak, they, they, there's so much, um, disruptive things that are happening in the, in the business environment, whether it be technology or social change or other things like that. And, and a lot of increased scrutiny, particularly in the area of, you know, whether it be an environment, social and, and, and kind of the governance aspects of, of organizations. And uh, it, it creates, I, I imagine that the, the amount of pressures it creates from a leadership perspective, in guiding a team through that, but also in the developing of new leaders who have to kind of step into kind of a new space. Um, I wonder how, how you've, like how you've come through that, because you've seen obviously lots of change. But how do you also help others kind of work through that change, and 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 are you able to do that? And I just maybe some thoughts that you might have in that.
1: Yeah, yeah. From a corporate uh, setting, we we uh, do like to encourage our people at all levels in the organization to, to get involved in community activities. We we cut cut space to do that, and we've got you know our team is very good, and I guess it helps to have example leadership example with uh, some of the executives of our company do that. And, and then the people right down the line want to help out. And uh, so we, we do that both, both help them with time and also with resources. So we encourage that. We think it's, it's fundamental, uh, not it's part, part of our culture, the golden rule. I mean, yeah. uh, first you've got to give it to receive. So we, uh, we it's a value, um, but you know, you, when you talk to the corporate world, there's, in the business world, there's everything from small businesses that really are under the radar. But it's the, the mom and shops, the small mechanics operation, or plumber, or whatever. They're um, they're in their own right they're contributing. But when when you describe the situation, you get up into the corporate world, the big corporates. And we're not a big corporate; we're kind of a mid-sized company. But you get in the big corporate world, they have departments that are involved in that. So it it almost loses a bit of the personal touch. Um, I mean certainly the executives buy into it and want to contribute but it becomes an entity onto itself and the right. whole GS uh, ESG uh, uh, sort of movement right now a lot of it's a bit trendy and a bit uh, you know fabricated to some extent but uh, <laughs> it, mm-hmm. it uh, <laughs> their hearts in the right place and but a lot and I but I personally think it's better to give and to, to help out from a Voluntary initiative, as opposed to being mandated, to follow these rules, and because the fundamental purpose of a corporation is really uh, employing people, land, capital, and labor to to make a return for the shareholders, and then the shareholders can do as they wish. You know, but if a corporation does not make a money, it doesn't have much money to give to shareholders. But a lot of public pressure, social pressure, on okay, corporations got to be all things to all people. You know. Be, in addition to employing people and trying to get a return for shareholders. What are you doing in the environmental space? What are you doing in the social space? What are you doing in governance? So big companies can afford all those various departments. but in the, well,
2: in the yeah.
0: yeah, like I, I appreciate what, what you just said and just in terms of being a company and I, cause I see it from the leadership um, perspective in volunteering that actually leading and not waiting for the institutions to tell you how to how to do something (laughs) and uh, which right right, which is you know which is a challenge well are you just complying with something or are you actually stepping out and uh and being a leader in it so um you know so I think there's a lot of wisdom um you know what you've you know what you're just sharing there in you, you mentioned your your in your family, that you know, when the when you know there was a lot of uh, a lot of succession planning before you suddenly found yourself holding on to the reins and of a, of a company and having to support a lot of people, is there a lot of work that you do now and or have, have you been doing to to in succession to prepare the organization differently? Do you view that differently today?
1: Well, we're we're attempting to, um, and there's varying. Uh, degrees of succession in uh, in our situation, where Dad died unexpectedly at a young age, yeah. We just, I think it's very important uh, for succession of any organization, if that organization and the people that would be left have the values in which to operate. So we can It's hard to predict the future, and I've I've always maintained uh, so much of it, uh, so much of success and where we go in the future is, is a mirror of what we've done in the past, and. Grounded in values of trying to uh, take care of others and the golden rule. So, uh, in terms of succession, I think we're constantly working on uh, values for the next generation that they can embrace. Uh, a specific succession—it's um, uh, you know you, you do estate planning and that kind of thing, but if if you do too much succession planning. Uh, things circumstances could change and, and sometimes it's difficult to predict who really wants to be involved in the next uh, next episode, the next generation right. of leadership Right. and I've seen a lot of companies almost get too preoccupied in succession planning to take care of business today because uh, it was a flavor of the month, what are your succession plans Right. right. but uh, you've got to Got to leave the company in good shape and, and with good values, and do some succession planning. But we're uh, we're just confident that when the time comes, the next generation hopefully will will lead the company to the next level.
0: Uh, I just heard you say value four times. <laughs>
2: yeah, with that, with that, that's going to come my later.
0: Yeah, and and I I. Like, I think, I think you nailed it because I, I've had the opportunity to be on boards for different organizations over the, over the years and, and continue to be very active in, in that space. And that the topic of succession is you know, almost every board meeting. We have that conversation. I have it in the organization I lead, lead but, um but I've wondered if we spent enough time talking about the heart of it, that are we worried about identifying a person or are we are we more concerned about making sure that the values the things that are most important to us are kept solid that they're not easily eroded or that they can be continued to be built on in the direction that we want to go to so i'm 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 excited just to hear you say that so i wrote down values four times in that in that <laughs> 2 minutes that that you said there so Sorry, Kavis, you you go ahead. Oh, no, no worries.
2: And in 50 years in this business, you've obviously seen a lot. You talked about the 80s and the the recession. You talked about all the different things that happened over the last four or five decades. What are some of the leadership traits that you've called on throughout the decades to lead you through the peaks and valleys of this this industry?
1: Yeah, leadership is an interesting topic and bold leadership that you're your, your great name. Um, I, I never, I never even think of myself as a leader per se. I mean, I, to me, leadership and, and maybe I'm just evolving and learning about leadership, but, uh, everybody is a leader in some respect, like, uh, leadership, uh, anybody in the organization has to, and uh, has to practice. They're, they're considered a leader because people look to you, people look to you guys, people, and it was that Hugh Campbell, that we, when I was on board of the directors of the Eskimos, he reminded us we're all leaders. And so I, this is not my own revelation, but Hugh Campbell shared with me, we're all leaders. So and what we do and how we behave and, and our reaction, people take note of it. And so I think that's fundamental. So they, if you want to be a leader, and I, some people want to be, I'm, I don't think I ever chose to be a leader. You just wind up there sometimes. But... Uh, the, the 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 things that simplify it to me, you've got you, you know put yourself in other shoes, the golden rule, and I use the analogy on any exchange or any dialogue. It's like playing poker. You know what you've got in your own hand, but you don't know what the other people around the table got. So when you're in a negotiation or when you're doing anything, it's not important what you think. It's what does the other person think, and where are they coming from. Eh? So. Uh, in terms of my own journey, my head uh, my head thinks a lot of okay, where are you guys coming from? What is what is it that's important to you? And the people we're dealing with in business, like okay, they have a complainer, they have an issue, or they want something. What is it? What is their want? You know, reading that. So uh, that's that's one of the things I look at in, in leadership. I'm kind of going in circles here, but there's um, I, I think that's an important part, but. And your integrity. Doing it. the other thing is our one of our mottos is under promise and overperform. And and going through tough times, particularly if you're dealing with bankers or customers, uh, it they start to lose confidence in you if you say you're going to do something and you don't do it. Mm-hmm. But if you all of a sudden say, well, well, we'll pay back this much, and you pay back a little more, they kind of gravitate. To, they they want to more uh, do more business with you. So if and if you return calls sometimes like to, to be a leader or successful, I feel you've got to work and you've really got to treat others as if they're special, just like you want to be treated. So probably probably hammered that one home a bit, but
2: no, that, and that's very important because I think meeting people where they are is critically important in terms of bringing them to where their potential can take them. And all too often, we think that everyone should be at that level that we already got to. We forget the journey that we had to take to get to a certain level. So I think that's a critically important uh, piece of this. When you've developed a lot of leaders, a lot of executives over over time. And we've had this conversation of a couple of breakfasts and how you develop people and sometimes taking a step back and allow them to have a lot of latitude and a lot of wings to be able to fly and grow and make mistakes and learn from them. How have you seen that evolve over time? I, I know you're still very active in, in your company, very active in the community, but in developing others, what do you think are some of the key things besides meeting them where they are that they people need in order to fill their potential? Well,
1: it, it's hard to be specific on, on helping someone because a lot of the people we bring in at any levels, uh, are well educated in their field, engineering or planning or whatever, and it's you can't really force people to learn. They it's a two way street. They've got to want to learn something. So you've got to be there if if they ask for help. If you sometimes give unsolicited instruction or help, it, it, it's either not wanted or they don't it, it, they don't take it. And like a lot of ours is. Uh, uh, we're there with you. Uh, you know the company values. You've got a lot of P, uh, you know, a lot of uh, You let people figure things out a bit for themselves. Mm-hmm. And if they're the right people, they will. They will check around w- with other people in the community that are successful. Well, okay, I've, I've got this job. What do you think? How do I do it? So we're always there to answer questions that they ask. But uh, I, tr- I never try to be too prescriptive, Too uh, prescriptive. Uh, I want to make sure that things they do is it meets the company's values and treating customers right but uh, a lot of them develop on their own to be honest and uh
0: and by example
1: and uh, you try to hire people in, in an organization you try to hire people that you you think are motivated and they have those values but uh, and giving them opportunities if they want to uh go in courses or education we let we certainly support that um, but uh, it seems we learned more from our people than I think they learned from us.
2: We could, we could all say that's the, the, the route that we took. <laughs> but, uh, the, teacher, the best teacher a reason is how sometimes. Say
1: <laughs> that, sorry, uh,
0: Con. There's, there's, there's a reason we're bald. <laughs> yeah. I,
1: I, yeah.
2: Oh, I'm great <laughs> <laughs> great with here, which is good <laughs> and in and that same tangent I we, we talk a lot of sports uh, you and I you know I love college football but one of the things that I think you take away from that is you give people a playbook and you you say these are the parameters go out and execute and all too often you know your boundaries you know your limits but go out and execute and you see who are the competitive ones, the ones that don't want to be just average. Have you found in, in business and in, in community service, et cetera, that we're losing some of that competitive edge, that go get go get it? Or are we just more, there's so much more information that maybe it's, it's still the same, but we don't recognize it. Are we as competitive as back in the 80s and 90s? Things, things change and, you know,
1: society changes and, and sometimes necessity is the mother of invention and, and uh, a great motivator, um, you know, and, and uh, from my grandfather's era where there was no benefits out there. You, you, you probably, you had to work or you were in a soup line, uh, you know, kind of like no, no safety nets, uh, society's in our, our Western society, we were lucky to, uh, um, maybe there's not the same, uh, competitive edge out there. Uh, it's different. Like generally speaking, it's different. Uh, and, and maybe people, you know, we always hear in the old days, you know, we had to work harder and to survive and that kind of thing. Uh, but it, it is, com- it is competitive. I put myself in the shoes of young people. Um, we had so many opportunities, uh, growing up and, which you had to go out and work and, and do it uh, now there's uh, so many more regulations and things you've got to go through and licensing and uh, I think a lot of the a lot of the kind of bureaucracy and a lot of the good intentions do take people's motivation away a little bit uh, mm. and uh, sense of purpose and identity so it's it's very complicated but uh, uh, we've got very competitive team like if you play sports or anything with any of our team they're they're competitive but the business world business world is getting more complicated society in general is more complicated i mean everywhere you go the tax forms are take nights to figure out yeah. and it, it, it the world is getting complicated and uh, how how this plays out i don't know but, uh, and uh, with the ia and uh, jobs ch- changing and that kind of thing i I just I'm glad I went through the years that I did and I think we were very lucky and uh, I admire the young people today if they can navigate through this new world and find some meaning and satisfaction in their job and but it's competitive
0: so yeah for for, for sure like i um, I was just having this conversation here just in the last 24 hours about um, I mean you mentioned uh, AI artificial intelligence and how disruptive that's been. And I I was with a conversation about a group of CEOs uh, yesterday while I was up in Saskatoon and, and lots of the, kind of the fear, kind of the worry kind of the, how are we going to navigate this? And not just ourselves, but how does, how does this generation who's working navigate both the technology side of things, but the social change and, and, um, um, and just kind of figure out how they, how they work through, life and business uh, to both, you know, be, be successful for themselves, but be successful in their communities. When, um, when it, it, in a lot of ways, people feel like the sand is shifting. And then the conversation drifted into, um, they say, well, well, what, what is most important that people hang on to in times of, of significant change like this? And um, I mean, I, I heard you talk about this multiple times now the values I wrote it down four times in those two minutes but um I, I I wouldn't mind if you'd spend a little bit more time talking about values as being really important stabilizer because it sounds like that was something that was very with all the change you've seen you kept coming back to certain certain foundational things that kind of held you through and like is that is that still valid today do we throw more so with, today with the more AI so like, today
1: yeah, it, it is more... I mean, I look at the trials and tribulations we've had through the years. There's a lot of things we can't control. We can't control AI changes. We can't control demographic swings in the economy. We can't control interest rates. We can't control geopolitical things. And, and a lot of government policies are, are things out of our control. All we can really control is how we react to them. But So in terms of business, like... Whatever business here in like energy business is big in Alberta, there's a lot of uncertainty as to where energy is gonna go. It's very threatening. But we encourage our people and, and our family, like we have no control over the big picture, particularly. We have to be we have to be two things. We have to be smart and, and not be totally naive. We gotta be smart and try out compete who's ever in our space for competitors, which is the sporting team. But we've got to uh, there's a lot of things we can't control. but no matter what happens, if we treat people right, if we work hard, if we meet, live up to our obligations, there's a good chance things will work out. Because there's there's a lot of, a lot of things. No matter how hard people try, in a field if, if, if the it's going to be closed down for whatever reason, uh, and, and there's curves thrown at you, if you don't have those fundamental values to fall back on, you've got a real problem. And, and uh, and no matter where things go, if you've got the values of, yeah, you're interested in people to take care you're living up to your promises, you're always going to be sort of at the, the leading edge of, of whatever you're in. I can't predict where the future's going. And believe me, today there's more uncertainties than I think there's been in a long time. But so that's why I go back to the values. Like, if there's nothing magic about success other than most successful people are – they find something they like, they're happy. And when you say being good to – the other part of being good to others – you've got to figure yourself out and be good to yourself. Like how many of us are the toughest critics are on ourselves. Yeah. And uh, I went through a learning curve in my early thirties. There you go. Colin. I went through a learning curve that if yeah. I, yep. I, I didn't even know what stress was. Like uh, I was in the old school, like stress, what the hell That's Some kind of psychological thing. And I was up so much stress. I didn't even know what stress was. And it was only when in my early thirties, when the, the, Responsibility of the company was on my shoulder that I started to unravel. That you you can't help others unless you really want to help yourself first. Unfortunately, I had I was stubborn and I had the determination to 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 make sure uh, that I try to figure myself out because uh, you can't in the long term you can't help a lot of others if you're really uh, not integrated with yourself and feel feel you're meeting your own needs and it's very complicated I'm, I'm not a shrink but i've done a lot of
2: work in growth situations and and, and we did an episode uh, called tired leadership and yeah one of the main things we we're talking about is, that is sometimes in a leadership position where we feel the weight of the world the responsibility to several different stakeholders not just share models, but stakeholders that we drive ourselves to a point where we get overwhelmed ourselves. And that proverbial saying that when you're taking a flight, put your oxygen mask on first before you try to help others. We forget about it as leaders. Then we hit a wall and we are in a situation where now we're immobilized and we're ineffective as a leader. How did you work yourself out of that situation? And now are you more into getting some balance in your life, having some time to get out and golf a little bit more leave some of the things in terms of delegation how did you work through that well
1: it it, it's work in process (laughs) (laughs) yeah but you nailed on that like uh i operated on when i was young and healthier and more energy i operate on instinct instinct work hard play hard don't necessarily take care of yourself but i had good values you know i knew what you had to do at work you had to work hard compete play hard work hard like but that can be very demanding on your body like there's no time to think about yourself you're driven mm-hmm. to to succeed for the good of the company but also to put food on your family's table but um, you can't I don't take it. it's like your your foot's on the accelerator full out I, I started to discover something's not right I mean I feel uptight I'm, I'm pressured like life can't be about this so it it, it it took a long time to kind of, and, and what I re- I saw a, a course in, in the university of the extension Department. our I, I was to get these brochures and it said stress and management. I said, what the hell? I'm in management. I don't know what stress is. I'll go to this thing. <laughs> so I went there and I started to realize there was about 30, 40 business people in this uh, lady from Montreal, Giselle Richardson. And she was just, she had these business guys just mesmerized by, and I, I thought, holy cow, I'm missing something in life. You know, uh, I'm driving hard, but I—it's I, with no meaning. I'm just trying to keep everything on keel. But so I mean, it was a long, long journey. But I was lucky enough that I was—I had the energy to kind of keep the business going, but also pay attention to myself because I knew if I didn't, I was going to break. You know, and and, and so it, 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 it have, you have to take care of business. You can't just go away and be a reclusive figuring yourself out. You know, you've got to do it together. And you mentioned something like golf, like the key in life is to be happy, and whether you're doing podcasts or, but sometimes we do things we don't like. But when you think about it after, why didn't I enjoy doing that? Because there is, why did I do it if I wasn't going to enjoy it? So you got to, you got you got to figure that out too. Like a lot of people retire thinking life's going to be great, but then they realize that after fulfillment and enjoyment, life was working. Yes. So it's, uh, yeah. the, the biggest challenge is figuring yourself out. I mean, Never is an expert at figuring ourselves out. This is how we just operate, et cetera. And we're great at giving advice, but uh, we're all hypocrites when we talk to ourselves and uh, try to figure ourselves out. But
0: just this, this is this <laughs> is actually this is the best part of the conversation. Like, yeah. we're, we're right into it now. Um, thank th- thanks Tim because like like Kavis said we we had a we had a whole conversation we recorded about about the tired leader the fatigued leader. And, you know, and I think there was an article that I referred to called the boss is not okay. <laughs> and and I don't know yeah. if you've ever, if you, I don't know if you've ever read this business article, but it was, they were really kind of focusing on um, leaders that who had kind of come through the pandemic and, and kind of, you know, the organizations they came through alive and everything seemed to be okay, but the boss really took a beating and, and the boss didn't even realize that they've taken a beating. Like, it's just, Okay. They're, they're, um, you know, you use the term that things maybe began to, they could see signs that things are, you know, beginning to unravel, um, not really having fun at this anymore, <laughs> those kinds of signs. And, and so, um, but I'm sure it's a conversation that so many of us could relate to, like so many of us can relate to this. So, um, yeah, th- this is, this is the heart of the conversation today, I think. Yeah.
2: yeah, and, and the, the biggest part about this is, as you alluded to, is that you have to have something to hold on to. You have to have something to go back to to be able to get you to the bottom of the pool and spring yourself back up through the the, the pressures of the water. When you uh, when you find yourself getting to that point, and you know you're driving yourself to that point, what's your exit ramp? What's the thing that says to you, I'm almost at this point and I need to exit now because I'm not going to be any good for anyone? Yeah.
1: Um, I like to I say we're, we're our worst hypocrites in a sense. I'm not good at saying no sometimes. And I um, I sometimes do things more for the benefit of others rather than say, no, I need to time out. No, I need to time out. Um, but I grew up, my dad died at 50 Three or four with a heart attack. I was very worried that I don't. I don't want to die. So I. That's one of that was one of the things that I. I said I, because you know too much stress, too much driving, too much drinking, and such is is not good for the body. So survival was a motivator. I want. I got to cut space for myself. Yet I got to take care of responsibilities. But learning that taking care of responsibilities can be a bit of a, a blessing and an advantage if you if you do it from a motivation of wanting to rather than having to mm. um, you know and it, it, like i say it's never no one's ever got it totally figured out i don't think anybody in the world has got it totally figured out but um if i get overwhelmed like uh you get i'm at, now at top rate i need a decent night's sleep so uh back off too much on the food or booze at night uh for me but young people get away with a lot of Abuse.
2: But we we, we more that now. Yeah, yeah.
0: yeah, we we can't say we're young anymore. Yeah. Um, uh, Tim, your your company's been around for a hundred years. Yeah, Kavis and I are now a hundred yeah. together. So we we got lots of experience. And we realize we can't do what we used to do. We're,
2: we're getting the seniors discounts now. Are offered them? At least. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I I think this is a, a heartfelt question because if you're you're talking to young executives or executives in general, and did you find that your creativity, that your ability to problem solve, was really limited during the time when you're at your highest stress or your highest fatigue? For for sure, when you're when you're
1: operating under stress. Sometimes you're not very objective. You're not very tolerant. You, you don't want to listen to others. You're so immersed in your own feeling of not well-being that you're not, you're not, you're not open to things. Eh? Like There's things you can control and things you can't control. And uh, if you don't have that feeling of well-being, you, you're not going to be as effective. You're going to burn out. You're going to be tougher on yourself. The other exercise is another thing I believe that has really helped me. I, uh, I try fit and exercise thing, but, and I know an awful lot of people in my era that they played up, but they, they, they like to go running or do things just, they was a stress mechanism, uh, coping with stress and then, and a little meditation and, uh, just sitting relaxing. Uh, they're, they're all things you've got to build in because, uh, yeah, and, but young people, I mean, they've got the energy, but all the stress now and the competition with, uh, you see people texting and. Emails in the middle of the night and uh, pursuing the degrees in education—a lot of it's very, very stressful. Mm. Uh, I empathize with them. Um, I didn't—I I played around more in those younger years, mm. and uh, we all operate slightly differently. But, but uh, the young people today—and I, I think the level of expectation on young people—I mean, uh, I was from a big family, and parents didn't have the time to sort of. Spend with each kid, and but that's nice. But then they put more expectations on the younger people. Uh, a lot of people got to figure okay. that out. That uh, you know, they uh, in our generation we were left to you know swim or uh, swim or sink. But today it's a uh, you know, helicopter parents, and that the kids got to you know, got to work that out in their own mind. You now, so. yeah. parents are so they, want to do the best, and they're well intentioned, but. Who knows, we all think back when our kids, do we do the right thing? <laughs> yeah. yeah, We take more than our share of responsibility and self cursing
0: So Tim, you, you, there, there were seven of you kids, mm-hmm. did I get that right? The house must have been cold in the winter. Wow, that's a lot of... <laughs> that's a lot of yeah. Yeah. A lot of love in that home. <laughs>
2: yeah. and, and with all the responsibility of being the oldest. Wow. Yeah. That came with it. Yeah. Is it... Go ahead, kids. No, I, I, was, I was just going to add to what Tim has said and. And kind of he spurned the question in terms of parenting is leadership as well and when you have the business responsibility you still have the parental responsibilities and all too often I think a lot of people can't separate the two they don't know how to bring work home and let it be at sorry let it be at work and then be a parent at home but at the same time those responsibilities are parallel because you're still developing people. What kind of, uh, how do you say, not art, but what kind of information did you take from the management building the company to helping to strive and build your family and your kids and invoke the same values that are immutable, translatable uh, across industries, not necessarily specific to business?
1: Well, I'm, I'm not sure I'm a good example of, or an expert in that field, but um, we, we all have children when we're too young, in a way, <laughs> because we're still trying to figure out things in our own world. But, you know, if you've got a parent that's in the military, they've got a military approach to life. You know, things are very regimented. My our, our, Back in our era, the dad was the, you know, he was the authority, and you uh, pretty well towed the line in, in our household. And... Uh, Mom was a homemaker and loving mom. I think, I love my kids. Uh, I think all parents love and they want their very best. Sometimes we're not, with either are our time or our own abilities or our own problems, we're not maybe the best mentors. But, and my parents, my parents were wonderful. They worked hard and we understood that. But the one thing that I do feel from my parents, they weren't perfect. And, and yes, we're certainly not perfect. us. Yes. The, the connection they cared and they loved. So that, like I think we're all we all love our kids and care. We don't all do do a great job, but I think everybody on the planet's on the same uh, same we've got, you know, we can't blame parents for everything. We've got to figure out things for ourselves as well. Parents love us and the circumstances can be different. Every life's not a fairy tale. But uh, so part of the uh, part of the thing that we've all got to Figure out. Okay, this is what we've been left with. This is circumstances we live in. We can either complain about it or be a victim, or we can try, try make the best of our circumstances. And if it's nice, and, and I appreciate some people maybe don't feel they've been loved. I was lucky. My parents weren't perfect, and they were tough, and I really didn't like a lot of things they did. But I fundamentally felt loved by them. They wanted the best for me, and they, and I appreciate they had bad days, and but I so I. I just hope everybody in the world can feel a bit of the fact that, yeah, things weren't right, but they, the lady, they allowed to say. So that that sounds a bit idealistic maybe, but I I don't know if I answered your question or Colin, but you're making,
0: uh, you're, you're, you're making, you're making me feel better for sure. Yeah. That's what I am going to
2: say. I, my children got a little broader now.
0: (laughs) Yeah. I, I feel, you know, I feel better about myself now But but it's it's true like Kavis was saying. I mean, it, the we talk about leadership a lot, and most of the time we end up, you know, veering to things we did in business or politics or or something like that. And you know, the most important leadership element is what happens in our own homes. And sometimes we, you know, the things that we aspire to in business, some, we sometimes we fail miserably at home, and we have to get back up and try it again. and And, um, you know, maybe be a bit forgiving, you know, of of ourselves and, you know, something that, that, that you said earlier and, um, uh, and, and to, yeah, to be a bit forgiving of ourselves because we're, we're not perfect and that not to use that as as an excuse, but use it to a reason to forgive and to go, you know what, I'm going to, I'm going to keep trying and, um, you know, as you're. Your uh, your kids are grown up, and um, you're you're still parenting, like <laughs> oh, you're yeah. not. <laughs> yeah, and, and then
2: being a grandparent because uh, we're going we usually wrap it up with with a question, Colin. I'm gonna let you have that one, but I just want to pay you back on something that uh, a few things that Tim said because I think it's very important for people listening to this to understand, and we did podcast about this. Leadership is not perfect. And right. I think all too often right. people have that misconception that if you're in leadership, you have to be perfect. And because that expectation is placed on people, a lot of people shy away from putting themselves in the vulnerable spot of being a leader because they think they have to be perfect. There's no perfect person on earth. And a lot of things, as Tim said uh, a few times is we have to go through it. We have to, fail at it. We have to navigate through it. And we have to come back to what are our foundational principles. If we stick to that life jacket of honesty, of integrity, of hard, fair work, and loving and caring, if we stick to those things, it's going to allow us to navigate through the tough time. And regardless of what the outside world pressures they put on us and the scope that they're looking at us through, we'll be fine. And we'll pass on values that are going to help the next generation be better.
0: Yeah. Um, yeah. Tim, before you, even I, yeah, we do wrap up with a, with a, with a question. Um, I'll warn you now. Most people cheat on the answer. <laughs> I'm just going to find out what you're going to do here in a second. I think I know his.
2: I think I know his.
0: Yeah. <laughs> um, You know, we, we've had a chance to, to, we, we, we talk with each other a lot, but we've had a chance to have conversations and this has been such a blessing to be able to do this podcast because we get in conversations like this. And, and, uh, so we learn and others learn, but if, if we had the chance, and this is our question, Kevin, if we have the chance, Kavis and I are going to go build a prototype leader, a blank canvas. uh, you know, a whiteboard that there's nothing written on it, but we had a chance to go and build a a leader. And we had one characteristic, one attribute that Tim could pick to say that that leader must have. And they only had a chance to pick one. This is where I'm going to find out if you're going to cheat or not. (laughs) But if you had a chance to pick One characteristic, one attribute that this leader needed to have said, Colin, they must have this. What would that be for Tim?
1: They've got to,
0: they've got to care.
1: Like, they've got to care about the mandate that they have. Uh, They could be very, they got to care. You want one, one, and uh, for example, in terms of family succession. If you've got someone that will step into that position and really care about the best interests of all stakeholders, uh, and, and actually they they want to make the company work, but you they've got a they've got to care and be able to keep people together. And I think if you care and put yourself in the shoes of others, you have a better chance of uh, keeping people together. Uh, I mean, there's many, many things, but you just asked for one. But I, I, I think they've got to care and understand their mandate, be passionate. Uh, but, but it's got to be from a, from a perspective of fairness, caring. No one's perfect, uh, but uh, that's what I do.
0: I, he's that, been with. That,
2: <laughs> <laughs>
0: <laughs> that was, a, they have to care. I love it so um uh, at, at some point we're gonna put together a whole word cloud because we find it fascinating talking to people from across all sorts of you know walks of life and business or sports and asking that question and, and, and I'm truly amazed at all the things that we're getting back like uh, I'm I, uh, it's, it's pretty exciting so I I, I this is great um. Thank you. It's a, it's a, it's a, another lesson for us.
1: Absolutely. Well, always a pleasure uh, hanging out with Cavis and uh, yourself. Um,
0: well, I, I look forward to meeting you in person. Here, I, I, I gotta <laughs> on the gonna, course. I, I'm gonna have to figure out uh, dust off. You got any clubs you can lend me when I, if I come up there, Tim? Uh, you can.
2: We got lots of clubs for you. <laughs>
0: okay. I'll carry And, you and get you your camera tour. ready.
2: I I gotta say this, okay. his his courses, uh, I don't think I'll ever step on his courses. I think I just yes, he, he has some premier courses. Uh, so
0: oh, that sounds great. <laughs> well, if you bring your camera, Cavis, I'll put on a show now <laughs> I, I, I don't i don't want to be
2: destroyed his greens and stuff but it's, it's oh I, i'm the guy who use a driver on the
0: greens <laughs> <laughs> well no you know what i would i would love to come up and and try to play but uh more importantly maybe just have a have a coffee afterwards <laughs> with you. and and um and and pick your brain some more so um yeah th- thank you for sharing your time with us and and, um, um, I, I, you know, this is, again, this is excellent. I'm, I'm looking forward to listening to this and then sharing it out with folks. And, and, uh, Kavis is there, if there's anything else, or, or Tim, if you've got any final thoughts you want to share. No,
1: I, I didn't know what to expect. My first podcast, I've listened to a few that you've done. I enjoyed, uh, I enjoyed your questions. You're very uh, insightful and I, I didn't know where this journey would lead today. Uh, I didn't know if it was strictly business or balance sheet matters, but it's, it's more the. The, the real issues behind a business, the more the interpersonal and uh, value based. So, uh, and I, I like talking about those items because I do think they're fundamental and more important than a lot of times more important than technical knowledge. You can always hire the technically smart people.
2: But uh, it, was, it was a pleasure. And this was a pleasure for us. Thank and you. I think we uh, Tim has a, a tea time that <laughs> we have to get into. <laughs> so, let's, let's, let's I keep, won't
0: disturb you any longer I know
2: <laughs> well, Tim we always end by saying to people stay bald but uh, in your particular case don't go bald you've got a beautiful <laughs> head
0: of hair you just keep what you got man
2: <laughs> <laughs> take care Colin you. Uh, you have a fantastic day thanks Colin
0: alright awesome thanks, thank you
2: guys.
0: thank you for listening to this episode of Bald Leadership if you enjoyed the show please follow, like, and share. See you next time.